this year, uh, us talking about Dream On and looking at the dreams that God has for our lives, I was, uh, I was just thinking about dreams and the impact uh, that they can have on our life. You know, there are, there, when you fall asleep at night and you have a dream, those dreams can affect your day the next day, right? In, 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 in odd ways sometimes. Uh, I think about when I was a little kid, I used to have night terrors. And if any of you, any of you have night terrors, am I, am I the only weirdo? It's like, you, like people think you're awake, but you're not, and you're freaking out, right? You're like losing it. Like I used to have these insane nightmares that I thought were realistic and that were that actually happening to me. And man, it would just keep, it would keep my parents up all night and I would just be losing it. And then you have other dreams, right? Right. Where you dream and they're the greatest dream ever, right? You know, it's like, it's all, all of your wildest dreams come true. And you're like, man, I wish I didn't wake up from that almost. I wish that would have just been my life. Right. And, and you, maybe, maybe, you know, uh, in that dream, you got the girl, right? You know, you, and maybe in your dream, you married Prince Charming or whatever it might be. But we have these dreams that affect the way that we think about other things. And when I was a kid, I remember uh, moving to the St. Louis area when I was a little bitty kid. And I, I didn't really understand a lot about church yet or the kingdom. I was going into first grade when we moved to that area. And my dad was starting at this little church. And I remember for a couple years there, watching this little church grow and watching people's lives change and some really cool things happening. And then I remember not being at that church anymore and remember we were going to start another church. And I was in like second or third grade when we went to go start the church in Alton, at Crater Alton. And I remember listening to the adults talk, right? And as a little kid going into second or third grade, I remember meeting in the basement of a house, having this meeting of this new church that was about to start. And I remember listening to the adults talk about what it was going to look like and how like the 20-something people who were in that basement were going to start a church that was going to reach SIUE. It was going to reach the campus at Edwardsville. And it was going to be a church that changed families' lives and broken people could come and they would find a bridge to a better life through Christ, that everything can be different. And I remember growing up in that and I remember uh, dreaming about being a part of that even though I couldn't really grasp what that meant. And I remember when I was in middle school, us starting a youth ministry, and we were renting from a Unitarian church, and we were meeting, it was three of us in this little room. And I remember thinking about what the youth ministry was going to be like. And I remember growing older and getting into my junior and senior year and looking around and seeing a group of three kids who had turned into a group of like 50 to 60 kids. And I remember just watching all of that take place. And I remember graduating, and I got to go to SIUE and be the campus minister at the at the campus where we were going to be. And I, I remember watching that grow from a handful of students to a ministry that was like 60 or 75 people whenever it was time for us to go plant the church over in Missouri. And I remember then hearing about dreams about planting for years. And then finally that plant came about. And then we started that church. And there was this dream about what it was going to look like and the lives that would be changed and, the, and what God wanted to do. And I remember talking then when we moved over in 2004 about dreaming about planting another church and then 2014 rolls around and we planted that church and they're here right now with us right 
2014 plan is here. 2017 rolls around. We plant another church, and, and they're here with us. 2020 rolls around, and we plant a church through our church, and we end up with a sister church plant in Oklahoma. Like, it was a surprise. But, ha, gotcha, new church plant. Like, you know, just all of these big dreams and seeing God do these incredible things. And I think one of the things that this generation that is in this room right now is going to have, going to, have to do is you are going to have to start dreaming bigger dreams. You know, I, I think sometimes we sit around and we, and we sit there and we're like, man, I wish like it was the Bible times where God would come down and give me this like, just a, this emphatic dream that's like, this is who you are, this is what I want you to do, go do it. And we're jealous of them sometimes because we wish God would speak to us like that. We think everything would be so much easier and go so, so much more smoothly. We'd be so much more at peace if God were to come to us and say, this is the dream that I have for you. But the problem with that is, is that when God gave people dreams in the Old Testament or in the New Testament about what he wanted them to do, it wasn't easy for them either. And it wasn't better for them either. And so tonight we were talking about what we were going to talk about and we were like, man, in Acts chapter 18, Paul has this really cool dream about what God wants him to do. And we're going to talk about that. And then I started looking at him like, man, I just feel like there, we could do something more than just that Acts 18. I started looking through some different things. And I went back to the Old Testament, and I found another dream in Jeremiah chapter 1. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. Jeremiah's dream and Paul's dream in Acts 18, they just, they just go hand in hand. They totally coincide. And then as I started thinking about it, I'm like, man, you know, we wish we had a dream, but the Old Testament dream was the same as the New Testament dream because the Old Testament dreams were the same God that the New Testament dreams came from, and they were all leading to the same place. And if that's the case, what does that mean for us? That means when you look at Jeremiah's dream in Jeremiah chapter 1, and you look at Paul's dream, in Acts chapter 18, and you see they're being asked to do the exact same things with the same exact results, guess what that means for you? God has not changed in the same dream that he had for people in Jeremiah chapter 1 in Acts 18, and here in 2023 is the same dream that he's always had. And he's asking the same things from his people, expecting the same results, longing for his people to do what he asks because he knows what happens when we listen and answer the call to his dreams. And so what I'm going to do right now is we're going to read both of those dreams and then we're going to kind of walk down through and talk about what it meant for them and what it means for us. Acts um, chapter 18. In Acts 18 verses 9 through 11 it says this, one night the Lord said to Paul in a vision, don't be afraid. Continue speaking. Don't be silent. I'm with you and no one who attacks you will harm you. For I have many people in this city. So he stayed there for 18 months, teaching God's word among them. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. The word, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart, and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Ha, Lord God, I said, I don't know how to speak because I'm only a child. And the Lord responded, don't say I'm only a child. Where I send you, you must go. And what I tell you, you must say. Do not be afraid of them. 
because I'm with you to rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out his hand, touched my mouth, and said to me, I am putting the words in your mouth. This very day I appoint you over the nations and empires to dig up and to pull down, to destroy and to demolish and to build and to plant. And there are some incredibly cool parallels as you walk down through those two things. You see, God had a dream for what he wanted both of those men to do, and God has a dream for what he wants each and every one of us to hear, hear today to do. And I think if we're going to accomplish God's dream, there's just a few things out of there that we have to pick up and we have to understand. And the first thing is, he makes it very clear to both of these guys, I have to move beyond my fear. And, and it's crazy if you look over and over, whenever God comes to someone in a dream or a vision or when he's talking to them in the Old Testament and New Testament, over and over and over again, you see those words, do not fear, don't be afraid. And I think so many times, just like them, in our lives, we are ruled by our fears. And I know some of you went to that class earlier today, and fear is a dream buster. It is a dream killer, and it will keep you from chasing down the things that God had intended for you. And we all have different fears. We all have different things we're worried about. Even if you look at these two men here, they're both afraid, but honestly, probably for some very different reasons. Paul is under some, about to be under some serious attack, and he knows that, and he's nervous because guess what? At this point, Paul has always been, already been through the ringer at this point. He's already been beat up. He's already been in prison. He's already went through all kinds of hardships, and here God has put him in a hostile city, and he's like, hey, I want you to go do this, but don't be afraid. And if I'm Paul, I'm like, don't be afraid. Look what you've already, what already has happened. How am I supposed to not be afraid? And then you look, and you've got Jeremiah, and God's saying, hey, don't be afraid. And he's not, at this point, saying, you know, so much worried about what's going to happen to him, but you notice he says, I'm a kid, right? He's like, I'm young. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And, and he's afraid of those things. Satan is really good at robbing us of participating in God's dreams by throwing fear into the mix. And each and every one of us here probably have different things that we are afraid of that when you think about doing big things for God that concern you. You know, I think about whenever, even growing up, the way I grew up watching people around me dream and watching good things happen. When you start dreaming big dreams, there are things that make you nervous and make you scared. You know, whenever we moved from Alton over to St. Charles County, I had some fears about that. One fear being it was just very different than where I grew up. I was going from an extremely diverse area that I loved to an area where I didn't know anybody, anybody, and it was upper middle class, very different than what I liked to be around, to be quite honest, and very different than what I was used to relating to. And there were these questions of, man, are, are we going to relate the same way? Those, are, those were fears that you're like, man, I just don't know what this is going to look like. You know, I had fears when we moved from Alton over, uh, over to St. Charles County about what was going to happen to relationships that I had at that point. Man, are they going to stay the same or are they going to be different? And to be quite frank, they changed a lot. I had fears about people that I had once reached out to and I had loved and I was like, are they going to be okay? Are they going to make it? I had fears about, I had dreams about how my friends that I had reached when I was a kid who had walked away from God, I had dreamt about them coming back to God. And then you're like, I'm moving far away and what if my friends never find God again? And what if this is a mistake? Because 
what if I was meant to stay there and make sure they found God again? And you have fears as well. You have those fears that God's like, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to engage with your classmates. This is what I want you to do with your family. This is what I want you to do with the people who you work with, the people that you're around. I want you to engage with them. And we have all kinds of fears. And God, to be quite honest, doesn't give a crap what the fear is. I'm just being honest. He doesn't care. He's not, he's not saying, don't be afraid unless, and then gives you a list of things that is okay for you to be afraid of. He's like, don't be afraid because I have control over all of those things. I have control over each and everything, and we have to move beyond our fear. He tells Paul, don't be afraid. Tells Jeremiah, don't be afraid of them. And he's telling each and every one of us, it's time to let your fear go. It's time to start dreaming big dreams again. You know, I think sometimes when we grow up and we have even dreams that seem smaller and they get squashed, it makes it harder to dream for the next time, doesn't it? Right? Like when you, when you don't attain the dream that you thought you were going to, it makes it more difficult to dream a bigger dream after that. But really, if you, fi- if you really start looking at people who accomplish great things and build dreams, you look at the people out there who, the, you know, even the billionaires who aren't godly whatsoever, most of them are not in the business they started in. Did you know that? Almost all of them started in some other business and then found their way into, their, their, into what they're doing now. And they, they failed time and time again, but they wouldn't let fear rule because they wanted to do great things, and they didn't even have God on their side. And God tells us, man, I've got incredibly big dreams for your life, but you can't be ruled for, by your fear. And I have to understand that if I'm going to accomplish God's dreams, I have to move beyond my fear. Second of all, I have to speak when commanded to speak. I have to learn that when God tells me to talk, I have to learn to open my mouth. He tells him, he tells Paul, continue speaking. Don't be silent. He tells Jeremiah, I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. Guess what prophets have to do? They have to speak to people. They have to speak things that people don't want to hear oftentimes. And God says, listen, I told you to talk, talk. Now, here's the thing with God that's, that's crazy is that in some ways, it's not like he gives you a lot of options once he tells you to talk because he expects it to happen. And you, it's, kind, it's almost like, have you ever heard someone talking to a dog before and you say speak and a dog barks, right? A dog trainer. What happens if, you, if a dog trainer tells a dog to speak and it doesn't? Correction. And what does that correction tend to look like? Huh? Bad boy, okay, it can be verbal, right? You can get a little verbal assault on a dog that doesn't speak when you tell it to. But if, you're, if, if you really want to get results, you have a little controller in your hand, right? And sometimes that controller, you start off with, with just a little vibration. They're like, oh, what was that, right? God's, you know, you're getting that dog's attention. And sometimes God's like, hey, I told you to do this, do it. And we're like, no, I got this. And then he's like, let me send you a little vibration to get your attention, right? And you're like, oh, that's weird. What was that? And God's like, speak. And we're like, nah, what comes next? A shock, right? It ain't a vibration. You're like, and you know, we used to do this at Cross Chat. I don't know if you guys ever did this, but don't, I'm not recommending this. I'm going to say that first and foremost. But you know the like tens pads that people use for their backs? We used to do those at Cross Chat, but we would like put them on our necks and our faces and turn them on high and see what would happen. And I get that picture sometimes when I'm like, we're ignoring God, right? And you're like, 
and your face is like cramping on one side. And God is like, listen, I told you to do this. Do it. But the amazing thing is that whenever a dog, you tell it to speak and it speaks, what do most trainers do when the dog obeys and does what it's supposed to? They get a treat, <laughs> right? And it's the same thing with God. You know, whenever you do what God tells you to and you speak, he is able to bless your life by blessing other people's lives. And there is nothing better than a treat that comes after you have spoke when God told you to speak. Because what you get to see is this. What you get to see is a church full of people whose lives are broken and God has worked and God has changed them and God has given them so much better. And you have a choice to make about how you're going to handle God's command to you when he tells you not to be afraid and when he tells you to speak. Do you want to go through what you have to go through if you disobey? Jonah had to learn that lesson, right? God's like, listen, don't be afraid. Go speak. And dude gets on a ship. It's like, I'm going the other way. And where does he end up? In the belly of a whale, right? And, and God's like, I told you to go do something. Ultimately, even if he wasn't happy about it, guess where Jonah ended up? A miserable man under a dying tree because he didn't want to do what God told him to do. Even though other people were saved, even though other people repented, he was a miserable mess because he didn't want to do what God told him to do. And God looks at these two men in Jeremiah 1 and Acts chapter 18, and he looks at each and every one of us, and he's like, it's time to lay aside your fear, and it's time for you to speak. It's time for you to open your mouths. I talked about this in my class a little earlier. I, I just honestly believe there is not a single person, there is not a single one of you in here right now who is incapable of sharing the gospel and bringing someone to Christ. There's not a single one of you. I have watched people who are way less capable than every single person here bring people to Christ, and sometimes many of them. Sometimes many of them. And that's what leads me to kind of the, ne the next point, and that's this. You have to give up excuses not to speak. You see, God looks at him. He doesn't even let... He doesn't even let uh, he doesn't even allow Paul to get there. Before, before Paul can even be like, but God, I just got stoned. But God, I just went through a shipwreck. But God, I've already been in prison this many times. Before Paul ever even gets the chance to get there, God's like, he says, don't be afraid, continue speaking. Don't be silent. I'm with you and no one who attacks you will harm you. He's like, it's like he almost slid it in there real quick, right? Before Paul could be like, but what if this happens? And God's like, you know, don't be afraid. Just speak. I'm with you. Don't worry. Nobody's going to harm you. Nobody who's actually going to get to you. Don't worry about it. And he takes away that excuse. But then you look at Jeremiah, and God's looking at me. He's talking to him, and Jeremiah starts making excuses, right? He's like, he's like, but I'm young. He says, I don't know how to speak. I'm just a child. What does God say? The Lord's response is, don't say I'm only a child. When I tell you to go, you go. And when I tell you to talk, you open your stinking mouth and do what I told you to do. And it's kind of funny because God does not play. God's responses to our excuses are hilarious. Like, we'll come up with somebody, God, I, yeah, I really want you to go to class. I want you to deal with this person. And you're like, man, but my professor, man, he's just so anti-Christian. He's liberal. And God looking at you and he go, he's like, and? And? You ever have a parent tell you that? Someone in your life tell you that? You're like making these excuses and they're like, and? And then you have to look at him and you're like, I guess that excuse wasn't good enough. And then you come up with another one and they're like, and? What's your point? 
What is your point? God, his response to our excuses are funny. It's so many, so many times in the Bible you see God do things like this. People will say, yeah, but God, what about this and that? And he's like, is that what I asked you? Is that what I asked you? Did, did I even ask you a question? Or did I tell you something to do? And God looks at it, he's like, I don't, I don't think that. And then another thing, you see God responding to people and they make excuses for what he's told to do. He's like, do you know who you're talking to? You ever have your parents say that, right? They say, tell you to do something, you smart off back, and when they look at you and like, who do you think you're talking to? You're in trouble, right? And what that says is, you better get up and do what you're told before I have to smack you. Let, let me tell you guys something. Carol Stringfellow is a mean old woman. Look at her. She's like, what? Carol Stringfellow smacked the snot out of me the other night. Look, look back there. Carol, is this true? It is true. I literally was messing with Carol. She's like, I need to say something to you. And I said, okay, what? And I turn around, and she smacked me across the face. Like, I'm not talking, I'm talking about like, like slap fights you watch on YouTube. I was like this. She's a mean old lady. And sometimes when God has to be, he could be like a mean old lady. He's going to be like, who are you talking to? You know, he's like, go do what I told you to go do. And God does not play. He does not care what your excuse is. And to be quite honest, as a campus minister, I'm kind of tired of the pathetic excuses myself. You, you don't, you have not, you're, if I'm talking to you and I'm telling you about sharing your faith and you start saying excuses to me, I promise you there's not anything that you are going to say to me that I have not already heard. And I don't really care. And if you think I've heard all the excuses, guess what? So is he and more. I dare you to come up with something new and original to excuse away your responsibility for doing what you're told and abandoning the dream that God has given you. Find an original excuse and, see, and I want to hear it, please. Because it's not there. And he doesn't care what your excuses are. He didn't care what Jeremiah had to say. He's like, don't say you're just a kid. It's funny because Jeremiah just already said it. And he's like, don't do that. Don't do that. He's, he's like, I don't care. And he tells Paul, he's like, yeah, there's people in this city who want to get you. Go do what I told you to do. And all of us have got to look and we've got to say, man, I have to start moving beyond my fear. I have to start speaking when I'm commanded. I have to let go of any excuses that I think I have for not doing what God has told me to do. And then I have to rely on God's protection, knowing that he has the end game in mind. You see, I have to rely on the protection that God has given me because he has a greater purpose. And if he has given you a mission, he's not just going to get rid of you. Um, I have a friend that's here who works at this big corporation. I won't say any names because I don't want to get him in any trouble. But he works at the big corporation, and they've done a lot of layoffs recently. And in those layoffs... He's like, I, I think I might be okay because I got asked to come do this thing coming up, right, next week. So he feels pretty safe because he's like, why would they ask me to come do this if they were just going to get me there and then be like, ha, we got you all the way across the country, you're fired, right? God is similar to that too. God is not just giving you some instruction and he's going to throw you to the wolves so that you can be done away with whenever he had a specific mission for you to do. 
You know, one of the things that God doesn't tell Paul is when he talks in this, and he tells him not to be afraid, tells him to go and speak. He says, I'm with you, and no one will attack, no one who attacks you will harm you. <laughs> That's not the most comforting statement in the world, if you ask me, right? Because he says, listen, I'm with you. No one who attacks you will harm you. But he's not saying no one's going to attack you, right? And whether or not you're getting harmed or not, if people are coming after you, it's, it gets a little nervy, right? Even, and God's like, he doesn't promise that no one's going to come after us. He doesn't promise that we're not going to hit, hit issues and problems along the way. But he's like, they're not going to harm you. You're going to be all right. And he, and, he, and he looks and he says, I'm expecting you to do these things regardless of, even if there's like harm that seems near, even if, even if people are coming after you, I've asked you to do these things and I am going to protect you. And the reason that he wants to protect you is he wants to use you to do great things and he's not gonna allow you to be destroyed when he's getting ready to use you for something awesome. Because he goes on and he looks and he says, at Paul, he says, listen, no one who attacks you will harm you. And then he says, for I have many people in this city. Now, when I first looked at that, I did not understand what he was saying. Like back in the day, so like growing up, it, if I would have read that, I would have been like, oh, I get what he's saying because here's, here's what he's saying. Like it's kind of like me. Like I was a mouthy kid in high school, right? So I would like go mouth off and say something stupid to the people that I probably shouldn't have been saying those stupid things to. And why would I do that? Because I had many people in that high school. And I knew that I could mouth off because after school, if somebody wanted to start something, I'd be like, Marlon, Cameron, Tim, James, let's go. Hey, let's go. And I was going to be fine because I had many people in that high school who were going to have my back. And, I, and we would throw down and it would be fine. I would be all right because they had my back. And when I first read this passage, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, that's dope. God's like, don't worry about it. I got people here, right? Like, that's the way, that's the way I read it. But when you really look at what he's saying, that's not at all what he's really saying. But for some reason, it, I, that's just how I read it before. But that's not what he's saying at all. What he's saying to him is, is really the next thing is, it, is that we have to choose to do is I have to embrace God's purpose. Because he has many people in that city. And those many people he's talking about are the people that he is waiting for us to talk to so that they can respond to him and be a part of his family. And so regardless of how scared we are, God's dream is to reach the world. And he told us to speak. He told us not to be afraid. And he promised his protection because he's like, I got many people at University of Florida. And I've got many people at SIUE. And I've got many people at UMSL. And I've got many people at Mizzou. And I've got many people at SCA. And I've got many people at St. Louis College. I've got many people at Lindenwood. Get your junk together. Stop making excuses. Stop being afraid and open your mouths because if you don't, those many people are going to be lost. God has big dreams for us. And he has big dreams for other people and sometimes those dreams coming true are dependent upon whether or not you are going to fulfill the mission that God has given you to do. And he tells Paul, I have many people in this city. The coolest part of, the, of that Jeremiah passage that we read to me, though, and when I think about dreaming and about what we want to do as Campus Ministry United and what we want to do at the crossings with our church plants is that last sentence that he says. It says, the Lord stretched out his hand, touched my mouth, and said to me, I'm putting words in your mouth, and this very day I appoint you over nations and empires. And the next part is so cool to me to dig up and pull down, 
He's like, you're going to go in and you're going to wreck those places. You know, he says to destroy and to, to demolish. He's like, Satan has, has set up his kingdom. And I have put you in place to go and destroy and demolish and to pull up and to tear down all the junk that he has built and deceive people into thinking is good. You're going to wreck that crap. That's what he puts you out there to do. And then he says, he goes beyond that. He says, listen, I want you to tear those things up. But then he says, to build and to plant. Tell me that's not, a, that's not the dream of what we're doing at CMU and we're doing as, as churches in the, at the crossings. Tell me that's not what we're about. We're about going in and finding things that Satan has set up in these strongholds that he has in place. Universities are strongholds of Satan, guys. Your high schools are strongholds of Satan. And we are told, you're going to go in there and you're going to destroy that stuff, but then you're going to build and you're going to plant. You know, as I was thinking about like future church plants, I've been a little nervous about future church plants, to be quite honest. For, for a few different reasons. Some of those reasons are that I think that as I look at what we've done as a church and what I look at some of our plants have done as a church, I don't think there's a single one of our churches who would say we are where we want to be. Everybody agree with that? Any of you feel like your church plant's exactly where it should be after the time that it's been out? I don't think so. Any of your ministries feel like your ministries are where they should be, where God wanted them to be at this point? I don't think so. So there's part of me that's like, man, we got to make some changes about who we are, and we got to make some changes maybe about the way we're doing some of these things. I think, they've, I think they're, they've done some incredibly great things. But, man, I think God wants to do so much bigger things than what we've done so far. So there's a part of me that's like, man, how do we figure that out? And there's that nervousness about those. But my real nervousness is that I remember in 2004 through 2014, and to even 2017, when we would talk about church planting amongst the college students and the high schoolers, there was like this electricity in the room. Like, there were these people who were like, I cannot wait to go out on a church plant and to give to other people exactly what has been given to me. And there was just this like fire and this passion and this desire that was like, nothing is going to get in the way of that. I remember sitting down and studying the Bible with TC the very first time we studied, asking and we talked about church planning. And from that point on, after TC that day, which was weird, was baptized into Christ the very same day we started studying. From that time on, TC talked about church planning all the time. All the time. And I remember when the, the Interbelt plant went out, the, just that excitement was there. And I remember when Collinsville went out, the excitement was there. And, and even when Columbia went out. But guys, who are the next people who are going to step up big and go out and build and plant? It's all, you realize it's always basically came from this room, right? It's people, most of the people who went on church plants, over 90% of the people who went on church plants became Christians through our high school ministries or our campus ministries, with the exception of a few. Are you guys dreaming about what God wants you to build and plant? Are you taking that dream seriously or are you living in fear? And are you living in disobedience? Because let me tell you, if you're not doing what you need to be doing right now, you will not do it on a church plant either. 
We need people who are going to be obedient where they are, who are going to be effective where they are, who are going to start really taking their relationship with God and being serious, you younger generations, to own your faith and own the dream that God has given us. And we need you to be excited and passionate about building and planting. Because if things are going to change, it is going to happen with the people in this room. If churches are going to be planted and campus ministries are going to be planted and lives are going to be changed, on those next teams, those people should be coming from here. I don't care if you're part of the crossing St. Charles County, which is larger, or you're a part of the inner belt, you're a part of Collinsville, you're a part of Florida, you're a part of Alabama. I don't care if you're a part of Tulsa, wherever you are, our next church planners are in this room. Or they should be. But everybody here has got to make some decisions about whether or not you are going to join in on the dream or not. Whether or not you're going to be a part of this thing or not. And God's dream in the Old Testament was for people to know him. And God's dream in the New Testament was for people to know him. And his plan was always to use people. And none of those things have changed. His dreams, his purposes, his plans, they're all the same still. And you all get to decide whether or not you're going to be a part of that journey or not. And it is, the, it is a wild ride. And I won't promise you that it's going to be all easy or that it's all fun and games. Because it's definitely not. You guys know we've been through some junk, right? But God keeps bringing us out on the other side. And I look at Paul and I'm like, yeah, dude, I get it. Like, I haven't been imprisoned and I haven't been beat. But man, it seems like it's always an up and down. But somehow God always brings us out on the other side with a new opportunity to reach somebody different. And you guys are here because somebody else really bought into that dream. Most of you here, you're here because someone else longed to be a part of what God was already doing. And they bought in, and they owned it, and they made it their own, and they were like, okay, let me go. Send me on a plant. Send me wherever I need to go. I would love to start hearing that language again from everybody here. And knowing, look, we don't have to worry about populating future church plants because they're already ready to go. I don't have to worry about, I don't have to worry about whether or not we're going to have enough people to send out an effective church plant. Look at this room. You're here. But you guys have to decide to own it. This whole weekend is about, is about dreaming on and dreaming the dreams that God has given us. And he's placed it in your laps. So tonight, whenever you guys talk, I want you to talk about where do you sit when it comes to God's dream? Where do you sit? Are you, are you, are you on the fence? Are you on the other side being like, no, nah, I ain't going over there. <laughs> that, that's too difficult. That's too hard. Are you looking you're like, man, I don't know. I love it here. I don't have a problem with that because I get it. Like, you can love it where you are, but also want to go somewhere else and be torn about it. But as long as you have it set in your mind, you'll do whichever one God wants you to do, that's, that's totally fine with me. But I also hope some of you are like, no, I'm going. Like, I hope some of you have that fire that's like, no, I'm, I'm jumping that fence, and I'm going wherever God's sending me, and that's where I want to be. But in all honesty... I don't think most of us are there right now, but that has to change. Decisions have to be made. 
So tonight, I want you to just talk about where are you at and what's it going to take for God to get you to obey his commands that he's given us in his word and the dreams that he's laid out for us. I want you to discuss what it's going to take for you to get there. And then I want you to dream about what the future is going to look like. You know, at the crossings in this next year, we're going to be picking the location of where our church plants go. That's exciting. And every single small group is going to go out and they're going to research an area. They're going to spend a week in there. It's going to be a blast, right? It's going to be a lot of fun. But what good is that if we don't have anybody to send to that beautiful area that you go to research? What good is that if we send 30 people there who are in a ministry right now and doing nothing here? Because guess what? They'll do the same thing there. But dream about that thing and be like, man, I can't wait to go and find that next location. And I can't wait to be the one who goes and plants it. Let's be men and women who dream. Let's be men and women who, who God uses to fulfill his purposes and change this world. Because that's what he's longing for you to do. And like I told you before, there's not a person in here who is incapable of doing any of those things. Not a single person. So let's, got, let's let God work. Let's dream with him and let's join in and let's dream on and let's plant churches and campus ministries and let's see people's lives change. Let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, just thank you so much, God, again for this weekend, for um, giving us dreams to look at in the Bible, God, to where we can see men and women, God, who they were afraid and they felt incapable and they were a lot like us. They were normal people, God. Yet you looked at them and you're like, listen, I want, you to, I want you to go do these things and I want you to stop being afraid and I don't want you to stop speaking. I don't want you to give up and I, don't, and, and I just want you to keep pushing. And God, help us to be people who are obedient to your dream, to your vision, and to what you want to happen, God, and work through us mightily. God, uh, just thank you again for the weekend. Uh, thank you for Lynn and Carol, God, and, and them, all the work they do to put this together for us, God. Thank you for all the people who come to speak, God, all the people who, are, who uh, just make this happen, God. Thank you for our, all the students who are here, God, and their hearts to be here, God. There are a lot of other things that uh, college students and high school students could choose to be doing this weekend, God, but they're here. And I, I pray that you'll put that dream on their heart, God. They'll own it, and they'll just do incredible things for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.